On today's episode, we have a lot of games that we have to talk about because we're getting famous. So they're giving us <laughs> review keys and stuff so that we have. Now we're forced to talk about games that we didn't like at all. We have to pretend to like them. No, I'm just kidding. Of course, we are. We'll always be as we always had. Have been completely honest and straightforward because that's our style. I'm coming off sarcastic, but yeah, jokes aside. Yes, we're going to be honest, of course. Um, and uh, we received a couple of games from our friend Andrew from oh. Australia. Yes, he was on here before, I, right? Yeah, he's been a previous guest on our podcast, and uh, perhaps why not? He'll be a future guest again because that was quite fun having him on. And uh, yeah, he gave us uh, to his game, which has been recently re-released on. Switch, because it has been released on Steam previously, uh, McGuffin's Curse. Uh, so, Jesse, have you played McGuffin's Curse? If so, what did you think? Uh, I Okay, we'll start with McGuffin's Curse. I'm, I'm actually really keen on to, uh, chatting with Andrew now, again, after I've played his games, because mm-hmm. they're so different. Indeed, um, yeah. McGuffin's Curse is not what I was expecting. I thought McGuffin's G- Curse was a adventure game. Um, but it's not. It's like a kind of top-down. I mean, how? What would you even? How would you describe it? It's like a puzzle game, really. It is a puzzle game. I would say basically it's uh, a bit like Sokoban. I don't know if anyone remembers Sokoban, which is the game where you have to um, move crates around to get to the exit, and that's basically more or less the same idea. Basically, trying to move around a single room. And but of course it's a bit more complicated than that. There's switches and stuff that you have to have to activate lever uh, batteries that you have to place all of that. But yeah, the main concept is I would think it's a puzzle game. Yes. Yeah, and you kind of it's got quite an interesting concept in that you mm-hmm. know you start off as as a as a, this thief and then you somehow become a werewolf and yep. uh, you can't you you continue thieving around levels moving up and down isometrically mm-hmm. but then you, there's like spots of light where you go in the spots of light transform into a, a werewolf and then it allows you to do other other things like you gain more power so you can like move safes around and move blocks and it's basically about kind of progressing that way but you know you can't go mm-hmm. into water as an, a werewolf so you have to yeah kind of use your brain and it's it's kind of like a rubik's cube in in video game form mm-hmm. you say that like you have to move things about in the right order and yeah i would say so basically each room is a bit of a, a different puzzle from the previous ones it's basically i mean it slowly introduces new concepts and new stuff that you have to activate and toy with to progress but yeah i would say it's uh a Rubik's Cube is probably a good comparison. Um, <clears throat> what I especially liked personally is that uh, it's not just a straightforward puzzle game. I mean, it's not about just solving the rooms, progressing, that's it. Um, but there's a lot of uh, stuff to look at. There's some uh, funny jokes. Others, not so much <laughs> funny, but yeah. And um, yeah, there's actually quite a bit of story, dialogues, and I wouldn't go as far to say RPG elements because that's a bit too far. But uh, yeah, there's quite a lot of narrative. So 
you know, it gets you going even if you're stuck on a puzzle. You know, it has that extra bit of saying, yeah, yeah, I want to see how the story goes. I want to, uh, you know, read some other jokes maybe. And so I, I'm trying to progress through this room. There's also kind of a hint system that you can call via walkie-talkie if you're stuck. And sometimes it even solves the room for you. Other times it doesn't or it doesn't even give you a hint. I don't know exactly how that works but yeah most of the time you can also call for help which i, I suppose is a quite a good system and yeah for especially for accessibility yeah i i liked it yeah i mean uh, graphically what did you think i mean um for me it looks uh i don't know that's a kind of indie look from maybe like 10 years ago <laughs> i mean the, the original game is not from 10 years ago we know uh, I don't know, it reminded me of that, like, low, ch- you know, cheap indie games from 10 years ago. I, mean, I wouldn't say it looks you're, bad, you're but... calling Andrew cheap, come on. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it looks, you know, it looks like an indie game. It looks the part. A friend of the show, Andrew Golding, getting <laughs> absolutely <laughs> rinsed by Damian. No, I, I see what you mean, and I was going to bring this up, but, you know, I played it on the Switch, and it, I think that's the perfect place to play it. It, yeah. it really has, like... It's not a game you can sit down and play hardcore for like six hours or something, right? But it's perfect to have on the Switch and play when you have 10 minutes spare and just progress in increments like that. Um, It has quite a lot of like... It is is an interesting game. So, yeah. I I think it it looks pretty pretty good for... I think that was his first game, right? Like solo game. Yes. From what I remember, it was his first commercial game uh, developed by itself so it's got our stamp of recommendation for sure i think it's uh, pretty pretty interesting but uh, you also wanted to talk about war from frontier because i i played it uh, last christmas i gave you my heart my very next day you gave it away um always always yeah. <laughs> well I, I i reviewed it and uh, it was a yeah positive review as andrew of course knows but you, there, you had other thoughts on on this thing. Um. No, you. <laughs> what are you no, trying to do to me here? Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's a good game. Yes. I like it. I haven't played enough to make a informed decision but we will obviously keep touching keep touching on these as we as the weeks go on but mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a couple hours in and i'm in two minds because in a way this is one of the best adventure games i've played like he, he mm-hmm. he's clearly got the knack for like storytelling and world building and it's really really interesting and the first thing i thought because when we interviewed andrew before christmas uh, he said that one of his inspirations was uh, the expanse, and you can really see that coming across in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the puzzles, like you start off on your ship, and it's been uh, like immobilized by a torpedo or something. I can't remember. Yeah, it's like a hole in the a hole in the hole. Yeah, and I. You have to, like, repair it before you can proceed, but there's a lot of backtracking. You have to, like... So I went outside, couldn't find anything, came back inside, went back outside, came back inside, eventually found 
went outside, found this toolbox you have to use to get the stuff to to like seal the hole. Then I went back inside to seal the hole. Then it said, oh no, you have to go outside to seal the hole. So I went outside to seal the hole. Sealed the hole from the outside. Then I went back inside. Then it said, oh, you've got to go outside and fix the antenna. So I went back outside, <laughs> fixed the antenna, went back inside. But the problem is every time you do that, you have to do like a little mini game on the door and you have to like drag. It, it seems cool at first, right? It's like a cool concept until you actually play the game and you realize, ah, oh, I'm going to have to keep... Like, click the door, wait for the door to load, move this thing across, load outside. And it kind of slows the whole experience down and, and takes away from what it could be. Hmm. Um, and then there's, uh, like, an, another bit a little bit further on where you have to attract a rat, <laughs> a rat with some garbage. And... Uh, I was like, I had to use, the, I constantly haven't used the hint system in the game, which is fantastic. The hint system is fantastic, but I don't want to use the hint system. Um, but it was like, oh, you should like trap your robot in there and leave and then go back and then it'll have closed the door behind you. And it's like, I didn't even know the game was that smart, right? Like it's an adventure <laughs> game. You don't assume that that's going to be factored in. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. It's got a really interesting concept and story, but it kind of the puzzles annoyed me a little bit how you know what's your take on it so the headline for this podcast will be jesse says adventure games are dumb <laughs> um I, I see what you mean i see what you mean and uh i kind of agree that uh i think there's this kind of stereotype with adventure games that they have to uh begin in like a single room or a very limited space where you have to I wouldn't even call it like a tutorial or a way to introduce you because they don't really start easy. So it's, I wouldn't say it's really a tutorial, but they do have this tendency to start with like the worst bit in the entire game. I don't know something I've noticed a bit in the last uh, in the last few years. <clears throat> That's why, for example, when we were talking about it a few days ago, I said stick with it; it gets better. Because I, I don't think it was the best way to begin the game, you know, the whole fixing the hull of the spaceship and going outside, going back in, and going outside, going back in. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, I assume that then when you go back to the family, I think the game gets a lot better. And it basically just keeps on that very same uh, nice flow and pacing. Um, I mentioned in the review, there's also another bit that reminds me of... Uh, of the beginning there's a bit in the in, i won't spoil it for you but yeah it's basically a bit in the mines where you have to keep fiddling around to, with um um with, with the doors because basically the electric the electric system is fried so you have to fiddle, keep fiddling around with the robot and the door so for example you have to say to the robot stay here so the door doesn't close then you go do something then you go back and say to the robot okay now you can move so the door can close there's a bit of that, yes, and uh, it does get a bit, you know, I wouldn't say boring, but a bit repetitive, uh, mind numbing, maybe. Um, but yeah, but uh, I mean, those are two. I wouldn't say two main bits of the of the game. So I would say everything else is pretty much well written and well done. So 
Yeah, we'll forgive Andrew for this time. For this time only. For this time only. So, Andrew, you're you're warned. I want to. I'd like to know what he's working on next. I can't remember if we asked him, but I don't know. We'll we'll ask him when he comes back on because I definitely want to chat to Andrew again now. Now I've played his games. And, what do you uh, think of the, of the voice acting? I think it's good. Why? <laughs> That's good because I remember he said he was really adamant of getting Australian voice actors on. Yes. And, I mean. For me, as someone that is, you know, not a native English speaker, so for example, might not be that noticeable. I mean, I know this, but you know, maybe for you know, native English speakers, different. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you can tell they're Australian straight away, but um, yeah, I mean, it's good. It's good. I think it's good that he's, you know, using, you know, lesser represented cultures in there, and. Uh... I mean, there's no crocodile dundees or, you know, cork floppy hats and stuff. So, yeah, <laughs> I think it's good. Yeah. yeah, I thought the voice acting was pretty good. I mean, we're talking about indie games where usually with this kind of project, you don't even have voice acting most of the times. Maybe even, I mean, just cat scenes, even if, if that. So I think it was done, from, also from what I remember Andrew telling us, pretty on the cheap, but pretty well done. I mean, uh, were a couple of instances, you will get to that, where you notice that the person is clearly using a microphone in a room, but they're minor characters, so it's not that big of a deal. Anyway, but, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it's good considering you have to remember Andrew made this all by himself pretty much, you know, obviously not the voices, <laughs> you know. Um, although I do wonder if he voiced... Uh, what. I can't remember if it's the robot. There's one character that sounds like Andrew, but with a, a voice changer. So I want to... <laughs> I think he did voice the character. Now, I'm not sure if it was the robot, but I do remember his name in the in the credits. Yeah, I, I want to find that out. Like, you know, if Andrew, if you watch this, let us know. Um, but yeah, I, basically, I'm interested to find out what he he's up to and what he would do with a bigger budget and considering this is the work of of one man i mean i i immediately start to think like this is francisco levels of good adventure game you know um and francisco's got you know application systems behind him so yeah i like it mm -hmm. what else have you been playing uh so there's another game that you got a review key for which is ghost on the shore and again, you mentioned application systems. Again, it's been published by application systems. And uh, Ghost on the Shore is what we roughly call a walking sim, in that you're moving around in first person, exploring this, um, this island. And yeah, there's not really much in the way of uh, puzzles or anything like that. You're basically just exploring interacting with items and uh it as the title might uh, reveal it's clearly a ghost story but i wouldn't say it's really a horror story it's um it's more a drama i would say so if anyone is scared you know don't be scared there's no oh good okay jump. that's me <laughs> there's no jump scares or anything of it. Yeah. i mean there's still ghosts so it might be a little eerie but yeah no nothing like boo I mean, I'm really, I've been really interested in this. They, uh, Application Systems gave me a code as well, but I haven't got around to playing it yet. Uh, I've been too busy with Andrew's games. But this, I, I'm actually really interested. This seems like my sort of thing. It looks like Firewatch. I mean, is it like Firewatch type thing? 
probably not that I didn't like Firewatch, but I liked Ghost on the Shore. So I guess. No. <laughs> oh no, this is bad. But no, we're not getting into Firewatch. Come on, let's stay focused. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, the, the main bit is that there's something similar to Firewatch in that you have this constant back and forth between two characters and one is the main character and the other is someone that you can see, which in this case, of course, is a ghost. And um, yeah, on, the, on that, actually, I do have something that, that I didn't like. There were a couple of instances where, I mean, the premise, of course, is that there's this woman that, you know, wants to leave everything behind. So she gets on a ship and, you know, uh, on a boat rather than a ship. Oh, I want to explore. I want to leave everything behind, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, yeah, basically she's uh, almost shipwrecked on this island. And then, of course, she, she gets... Um, this ghost as a companion and she explores the island and discovers the story and blah blah blah. So that's that, that's the main bit. So of course at the start our character is afraid, obviously. But I I never understood if she was afraid or annoying. She constantly goes at the start a bit back and forth between being afraid and annoyed. Then she, she does something else. She goes a bit back and forth between being annoyed and glad that the ghost is there. So uh, that, that's something I didn't really understand. Maybe what's probably with the voice acting and that uh, maybe the actors got some of the lines mixed up or something. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, basically it came across like she was annoyed at one point and like 30 seconds later she was like, oh, I'm so glad you're here. Well, you know, pick, pick one. But okay, it's no big deal anyway. It was just uh, a little complaint that I had. Um, but yeah, the story is pretty, it's pretty long. I mean, it's not a long game, but the story is pretty detailed. There's lots of uh, stuff that you might want to look it, uh, at in that um, I liked in that each tiny detail that you find on the island, like a recipe, a book, pictures, anything tells a story, reconnects to the story of this community, of this small community of people that were living on this island. And uh, it's, very, it's very well done. In that I, I really like the way it tells like a, a connected narrative and it's not easy to, to tell you know this kind of connected story and, and, and this is different from firewatch i mean firewatch was more like a, a personal narrative but yeah there was something else as well but you know this is more you know in the same like five six hours it, it does a bit more so kudos to the to the, to the devs because I, th I think they did a good job um and uh yeah, it's basically a very interesting uh, walking simulator. Uh, by, of course, I don't mean negative, nothing negative by the, the term walking simulator. And uh, yeah, this is definitely one that might appeal to everyone that likes narrative games and first-person exploration. And graphics are also kind of nice, and they run pretty well on my old uh, PC. And uh, yeah. I get my stamp of uh, recommendation for sure. I liked it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check this out and uh, report back and, and maybe we can talk a little bit more because it looks really good. Like, it really looks good. I thought this before they even, you know, talked about giving codes out for it. I, I didn't even know it was an application systems game. And I thought, mm -hmm. wow, this looks like my sort of thing, kind of like Call of the Sea. Did you play that? 
Um, no, I don't think so. But I, I know, I know what you're. Yes. Yeah, just like you say, a walking simulator. I know that term's a little bit, you know, can be used as a derisive thing and it's quite contentious. But, I mean, there's no other way to really describe these games. Uh, I like them. And uh, mm -hmm. it looks good. And I saw you going back and forth with the developer on Twitter earlier. So yeah. that, w you know, if they're interested in coming on and talking to us about it, that would be good. Yeah, Definitely. If they want to come on help. because, yeah, I'd love to pick their brain. Yeah, same here. I would love to to talk to them, and I, you know, promised I would talk about it, and I did. And uh, one last bit I wanted to say about uh, Ghost on the Shore that it reminds me of an indie game played um, <clears throat> a couple of years ago, uh, which I don't know if you played, which was called I Am Dead. Ah, that's another one I wanted to play and I haven't got around to playing. Yeah. It, it, it strikes some similar chords to to Ghost on the Shore. I am dead. Um, the, the 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 premise is a little different in that you're already a ghost, <laughs> so you know that that thing is kind of bad. And this is uh, maybe less dramatic overall. I would say a bit more humorous, and the gameplay is more like kind of hidden objects thing in that you have this me mechanic game mechanic that mechanics. Sorry. That you have to like uh, go through objects, uh, like for example, cupboard or um, yeah, you know the, everything that you can find. You can basically see across like a tree, anything to find certain things uh, in the world and to to progress through the story and all. So it's kind of different, but, but yeah, this is still a bit of exploration, moving around, and yes, it's kind of similar so and also graphically it's vaguely similar as well so it's what weird that i was reminded of exactly a, a, a game that wasn't similar in um, gameplay mechanics but you know again was starring a ghost <laughs> as the, basically as the main character so that that was a weird connection but yeah that's just my brain firing on on all cylinders uh yeah what else you, what else have you been playing because you know i have something i have to shit on Oh no! Uh, well, I've been playing some other stuff. I've been playing a lot of Switch. I've been playing a lot of Disco Elysium, and I, I, I know you want to shit on that as well. But it is such a good game. I want to know why you don't like it because, oh, the writing and everything. I've just been playing that nonstop. Why don't you like it? Yeah. It's a, it's a long story. I mean, I didn't set out to actively not liking it. I actually set out, you know, with all the people around me saying how good it was and uh, the fact that it was connected to, uh, I mean, spiritually connected to Planescape Torment, which is still <clears throat> one of my favorite RPGs from the 90s, at least. Um, but it never clicked with me. I played like five or six hours, so... You know, I should try to get into it, but I don't know. It never really clicked. I wasn't crazy about the world. I wasn't crazy about the characters. I wasn't crazy about the fact that I kept getting stuck in that, which most people out there that play this collision will say, how the hell would you get stuck on this collision? Um, but yeah, I mean, it was like the game was actually pushing against me trying to, you know, get, no. You're not going to like this game. No, you're not going to have fun. You're going to be frustrated. 
So at the end, I had to give up. And I'm sorry. I mean, I, I actually would like to say that I like this Coliseum, but you know, I can't for the moment. But I will try again for sure. But what did you like about it? The writing and the characters, the story. I mean, did you play it before it was voiced? Yeah. Yeah, that's probably why. If it wasn't voice acted, it would be boring to me. Okay. Uh, the voice acting really adds a lot and means you don't have to read so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and the voice actor is really good. I just, I find the story compelling. I'm not really one for a lot of visual novels or, well, it just depends. Like when you write all day for a living, it's, I just don't want to read and write anymore at night, but um. I don't know. It's just all connected. And I like that the, however you kind of start crafting your characters, the way they kind of go and like, you just end up being this absolute nut job. Um, and you really can just go crazy. But I, I know what you're saying. I mean, I, I held off for, for a long time because I thought, oh, this game's not got voice acting. And I don't know. I'm always wary of games that people hype up too much. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I thought it was, I think it's good. Really good game. Maybe it is a bit overhyped. Like I wouldn't say best game ever created, um, <laughs> or anything. But it's up, it's up there with like good games. You should you should try at least. Um, but you know, I'm gonna continue because I've just remembered. I finished the first Phoenix Wright game. Oh, finally! Yeah, that last case takes forever. What happened? I wanna I wanna ask you there. Like I finished that a couple of weeks ago. That last case that just introduces all these wacky characters, like a cowboy cop and stuff. And I thought, like, is it has Phoenix been like knocked out and he's in a coma or something? And this is all imaginary. But no, that it all turns out to be real. I mean, the credits roll, then you get this extra case that takes you like fifteen hours or some crazy <laughs> number. And I'm like, what? And then it finished. I, I don't have the energy to go on to Phoenix Right Two. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's yeah. that's sad. Yes, I, I think we talked about this in the last episode. We, and, uh, yeah, but I hadn't completed it at that point. Okay, but well, I, I basically I, I made, was originally a bonus episode that they made for the DS, and uh, so they were trying to justify the fact that people would have to buy the game again. I mean, in the West, it, it hasn't been released, though. Okay, but in Japan, they had to give a reason for people to actually buy the game again from the Game Boy Advance because it was basically the same game, just with touch controls. Uh, so to entice people to actually buy the first game again, they put in this extra episode. So they made it, I would say, I would guess they made it extra long for that reason, you know, to, to be, oh, there's a new extra case, a lot of gameplay. And so everyone was like, so going And so they bought it. <laughs> But yeah, I would say it, uh, it does disrupt the flow of the game a bit because the first Phoenix Wright ends on a very conclusive note and, you know, kind of um, yeah. closure with um, with everyone. And then all of a sudden, pa, everything, you know, happens again and then you, all these new characters come in and, uh, and they won't be, of course, mentioned again in the Phoenix Wright 2 and 3. So, sorry that I'm spoiling that. They, <laughs> they, they won't be. be. They won't be back, in, of course, in Phoenix 2 and 3 because those were already written. Yeah, that's what I was I was going to ask you. Like, 
I hope the two and three don't carry on that style. That last case is just no. weird. No, likely not. So, but those characters will be back in future Phoenix games. Oh. You know, those released after, but we don't talk about those games. Mm. Never. Okay, so do you want to do some shitting? Yeah, <laughs> I can't wait. So. <sighs> Some years ago, I played this game by this Italian developer that was called T The Town of Light. The game, not the developer. Right. And The Town of Light is, again, another walking simulator. Yay! And um, But I really, really liked it because it takes place in a, in, a, um, in a place that I actually visited when it was abandoned, which is the uh, sanitarium in Volterra, the former mental hospital. And it's a really harrowing place, even to visit today, which is abandoned. <laughs> Maybe more, but I, don't, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know, of course. Um, so yeah, basically they went. The, the developers went there and did all this research about how mental health patients were being treated in the forties, fifties, and yeah, of course they were treated horribly and basically tortured with all this kind of experimental treatment. Uh, I think that they did a good job. With that game, it was their first game, and uh, I, I think they, you know, they made a wrote a story that mixes fiction and reality pretty well. And you know, at the end of the day, at least you can say that you you've learned some things. I mean, you might not like the game, but you know what what's going on, so that that's something that that's educational at least. As much as you say the game was shit, you can say oh, it was educational. Uh, with their New game that has just been released today, uh, 24th, is uh, Martha is Dead. Martha oh, is, is Dead. This, is this the same developer? I did not know this. Yep. Martha is Dead is basically uh, the same idea as the Town of Light, which oh, is something no. that I hadn't realized at all from the marketing. I thought it was going to be like a thriller, horror sorts. And it is. But it actually has basically the same objective in that, again, it stars um, a woman, a girl, okay, with mental health issues in the 40s in Italy. Voila, we're back again. Oh, no. I mean, Volterra gets actually mentioned no. more than once. So the, the, I don't know if they were trying to connect the names or what, but I don't see why that was necessary, but okay. So anyway, Martha is that is again another walking simulator, but a surprise. And um, but here's here's the problem: that when Martha is that does the walking simulator bits, it's fine, it works, it's it's okay. As soon as it tries to do something else to actually introduce gameplay, it fucking falls flat on its face. So I tweeted about this a few days ago. Okay. The telegraph puzzle. So at one point, if you... Spoilers, but yeah, th th this is not even a story bit, so it's... A, hey, I want to um, play this game. <laughs> almost like, like an extra bit. You're asked if you want to help the partisans in Italy, or if you want to keep quiet. So basically you want to, you know, to help the partisans against the fascists, of course. So that, that that's, you know, that's the choice I would say most people would go to. And if you want to help the partisans, you have to use telegraph and by use i mean really use a telegraph so you're basically like clicking the mouse if you're playing on pc clicking the mouse to do morse code and you know 
some people might say, yeah, this is interesting. But the main problem is that the way the game does it, in that it shows you an incomprehensible Morse scheme, which I don't know why it couldn't just use, you know, the normal Morse scheme with the letters and the codes that you have to do to, to the letters. No, it shows you a fucking incomprehensible Morse scheme, which I sense it has. So, in the end, I have to actually, you know, play like this. Say, oh, yeah, this, this is A, click, click. So this is C, click, click, which, you know, is basically the opposite of being immersive. <laughs> You're basically just going back and forth between your phone or all tabbing. I don't know. But yeah, it's it's an incomprehensible decision. And also that telegraph bit grinds everything to a halt. You you have to send a telegraph, then you get one back, then you send them one again, then you go do something, you come back, and there's another telegraph, and there's like eight telegraph messages. And isn't that enough? I mean, two or three, wasn't those enough? So it grinds everything to a halt, all the story. Because, yeah, the story is you're trying to find out who killed your sister. That, that's the case. That's the case. And the I'm guessing that's Martha. <laughs> She's yeah, dead? Yeah. She's dead? Uh, she might be. Also, funnily enough, I don't know why they spelled Martha with an H in the title. Because in Italian, it's spelled without. But, okay. Interesting. Well, I've no. Oh, okay. Well, that's probably for English speakers then, because... And this, this also brings me to another point. A very big feature that the developer advertises on the Steam page, actually the first feature, so, you know, you would think that's the most important. They say authentic Italian voice act. And right. they, you know, I don't even know what that means. And they advertise it as being default. Like, you know, wow, we're going with the default option. As in That's a, Italian voiceover uh, voices with English subtitles. Yeah, but they say it's the default. So they're not saying there's not an English voice acting, which I think there is. Um, so, so basically, you're just advertising the fact that you're putting an Italian voice acting as default. You're not advertising that you wrote the game to be in Italian. Yeah. But that's what I mean. That, that, that's the first problem. The second problem is that the authentic bit. What the fuck does that mean? Authentic? What, what do you mean by authentic? It, I mean, it, it means they haven't got Charles Martinet to pretend he's Italian. <laughs> it's I mean, me, Martha. <laughs> well, it doesn't mean anything. Even, you know, cyberpunk, when it was dubbed in Italian, was, you know, the script was written by an Italian. It was dubbed by Italian actors, so it was authentic. <laughs> it's a Polish game, but, you know, it was an authentic voice. Like, so they mean that it wasn't dubbed like in London? You know, it's been a while, I think, since they dubbed Italian games in London. The last time, I think, was with the Half-Life 2, one of the worst dubbing ever in the history of Italian games. But we won't go into that. And another problem with the language. So the, 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 that's, the, that's another really big issue, at least for me. The fact that the Italian, uh, you know, voice acting and the English subs say different things. And they don't say different things in, you know, different flavors. They're two different. No, no, no. They actually say different things. Like, for example, the sub says, oh, I have to do this. Otherwise, my mother will know. And the voices, the Italian voice doesn't say that. The Italian actress doesn't say it. Doesn't mention anything about the mother. So it's randomly inserted in the subs. And there's a lot of that. It's not like, you know, one of two instances. There's a lot of extra bits in the <laughs> English subs with, Makes, makes me think that 
they didn't write this game in Italian. Or something happened. I don't know. Anyway, it's pretty weird. But Maybe it's an issue just, you know, for me. But. That's confusing because they said it's authentically Italian, but you're saying it's not? <laughs> It doesn't seem to be. And, and here we go. Here we come to the worst bit, I think. Uh, there's the, this newspaper that is one of the objectives. So it's, you know, quite probable you're going to read it as a player. And the newspaper is mixed in Italian and English. Like it has some articles in Italian, titled in Italian. And the articles that you want to click on, you know, that the voice will read are in English. What the fuck? <laughs> What the fuck does sense does that make? Why? Oh, I'm so confused. So they've just they just butchered yeah. it all, like. No, 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 it doesn't make sense. I mean, the actress will read the article, so everything is sub subtitled. So it's not like, oh, I won't understand what the the article says. She will read it out loud. So there's a subs. So what? I mean, as an English speaker as well, I would prefer to have it in its native language and then just read the subtitles. Yeah. Because I don't... Oh. Yeah. No, because they actually made a big thing about, you know, historically accurate and all of that. Uh, you know, back in the 40s, there weren't newspapers that mixed Italian and English language. On that, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, why ruin all that research with this random bit of mixed languages. Someone said, I mean, uh, a game developer friend of mine said, maybe it's a bug, but that's a weird bug. I mean, it doesn't really seem something that would happen randomly. It's very, very intentional, but I don't know. Maybe it was a bug. So, um, okay, so finally, one last thing I wanted to mention. It's not an unpleasant game overall. I mean, I wouldn't say it is boring or... Okay, those telegraph bits, of course. But, you know, apart from that, the story is pretty interesting. You want to see where it ends up, and it's a six-hour game, so pretty short. But uh, the violent scenes. So they made quite a big thing before it was released because Sony wouldn't allow them to feel really violent scenes and uh, censorship and blah blah blah. And they're right. They're right, of course. I mean, Sony changed their you know the point of view apparently on violent games. Okay. My point is that those scenes, which are quite gory, they are quite gory. I mean, I watch a lot of horror movies. Those were pretty extreme, even for my standards. But they don't add anything. I mean, I'm quite sure removing them doesn't really change anything in the story. Uh, they really do feel like they're just added for shocking value. Because they really don't change anything in the story. I wouldn't say they don't make sense. But they don't add anything. They're really just, you know, like a graphic horror killing in a Friday the 13th movie. I mean, it's just there because it has to be there. Add any story, and it's just there. And, and it's weird because the game, it doesn't, it's not, it's not really a horror, you know, like gory horror, you know, torture porn. It's not really that. It doesn't have that vibe. So I, I think that actually the, the, those graphics seem puts you out of the game. It actually, maybe it works better without those kind of scenes, ironically enough. So maybe the, the PlayStation 4 or 5 version is actually yeah, better from that point of view. Yeah. Also, finally, um, LKA, you know, maybe the next time you want to write a female character, 
Maybe also get a female rider. Yeah, maybe representation. I mean, it's basically a team all full of uh, you know, guys, especially on the riding. I think the, the only girls in the team are on the 2D art. So <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure they contributed much to the writing of the, the main character. Oh, Julia. no. But yeah, that's that was a, my shit. That's a good segue. I mean, have you got anything else to talk about? Because I, I want to kind of tease a little bit about what we've got for the next episode. Please go on and tease. So uh, this this will be going up on a Monday, hopefully. And next week we've secured a, a special guest for a special episode all about uh, International Women's Day which is March the 8th. Uh, the next episode will be going up on March the 8th, which is a Tuesday. Uh, and it will be all focused about that and about how women can get into games media. And uh, I think it's going to be a good one. And if, I mean, if you're listening this far in and uh, or watching this far in, crazy, crazy. You, you are crazy. But also, you know, tune in for that one. Let people know because it's it's... It's a, a kind of topic I think me and Damiano are both kind of passionate about, you know, uh, yep. getting, you know, non-white men into everything, <laughs> basically. You know, there's white men everywhere. We're, we're two of them. Um, and, you know, we, we want to get more diverse voices, you know, underrepresented voices. Uh, so, you know, let people know, uh, especially if you if you have any, uh, you know, female friends who who are looking to get into games media. Um, you know, that's going to be a good episode to check out. And in general, you know, if you feel underrepresented, let us know. We want to have more people like you on the podcast. Um, you know, if you work in games, you know, not not just random people. I mean, you know, you have to <laughs> do something about video games, you know. We can't, otherwise... Yeah, sorry, we still talk about video games, so we, we can just, you know, in the next episode, all oh, the industries, yes. Yeah. But I mean, we would. If you give us money, we'll talk about anything. <laughs> we're like that. Yeah, we reckon of money. We reckon of you know. We reckon of alcohol. We probably. <laughs> yeah, pay paying booze. I mean, that's that's always good. When I'm with you, baby, I go out of my head. I just can't get enough. I just can't get enough. The things you do to me and everything you say. I just can't get enough.